Welcome and welcome back to our podcast. She's Morgan. And she's Maya. Today we are live from Metro High School and we're going to dive into the topic of reparations. Who should get them, why they deserve them, and how are they going to get them? Okay, so when we think of reparations, I feel like the first thing that comes to mind is 40 acres and a mule, right? Yeah. So 40... Okay, in 2022, that makes no sense. But I guess right after slavery ended, it made a lot of sense. Like 40 acres in a mule. That's a lot of land. Yeah. What do you think? Now it's not as prominent. Land isn't really something that we necessarily need as much or want. I think it's more systemic um, advancement is what mm-hmm. we're looking for in reparations. Yeah. And I thought, like, when I first heard about the 40 acres in a mule, I thought, like, the land was being taken from Native Americans. But actually, it wasn't. It was about, like, rice fields and... I think the land was being taken from, like, slave owners, actually. But, unfortunately, that didn't last long. No. So, that was under, actually, um, General William Tecumseh. He was the one who basically enforced that and, like, thought of that. But when Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, Andrew Jackson, he said, no, no, get your land back, take it back, go ahead. So, there was that. Um, Pretty acres and mule. That's, that's, That's the only reparations that actually happened or like was implemented for black Americans but that's not the only reparations that we saw in this country so I don't know I feel like that everyone knows I think like when reparations are talked about it's always about slavery but they're having reparations for Japanese people who Japanese Americans who were placed in internment camps and then there were also there still are reparations for Native Americans Okay, so the next topic we want to dive into is who should get the reparations? Because as we know, slavery impacted all black people in America, but that technically is not true. Because as we know, a lot of immigrants are black. You know, a lot of people immigrated from the Caribbean. A lot of people immigrated from Africa after the transatlantic slave trade. So, like, how do we really pick and choose who should get the reparations? I think it should be direct descendants of slavery, um, people that were directly impacted, and generations to follow. Reparations should look like generational wealth, so building wealth generationally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also, I realized that like reparations aren't just about slavery and the consequences of slavery, because a lot of the consequences stemmed like afterwards, like redlining and mass incarceration. So a lot of it impacted the black people who weren't necessarily descended from slavery. You know what right. I mean? Like there's a lot of policies and laws that still segregate black people regardless of if you descended from slavery so i feel like um hold on i read something basically from this website this article um from brookings.edu it was basically saying that black people who weren't slave descendants should seek redress for housing and education segregation because they were still impacted by that yeah things like economic change, political change, the education system, and social discrimination are all things that were impacted by slavery. And while you can't necessarily get reparations for things like so in the social climate, um, reform can definitely be made. So for the Black people who are slave descended, how exactly do we know? Like, how do we know, No, you know what I mean? That's a good point. Our lineage can't be tracked as easily as people from Europe. So... Mm-hmm. Finding that information and finding who is actually descendants of slaves could be hard. Yeah. Like, is it about a DNA test? Is it just about word of mouth? Because I know for a lot of Native Americans and when they, in terms of their reparations, they have to do, like, blood tests and everything to, like, determine how how Native they are. So I feel like 
in terms of black people too, like, do you think both of their parents have to be slave descended to receive reparations? Hmm. That's a good question. I think one parent, maybe. One, one parent, you think? Yeah. I don't know. Ah, one parent. I feel like it's not even about how black you are. Right. I think it's about how you, what, like, what obstacles you have to face. Right. And, like, how the consequences of slavery impacted, like, how you live, kind of. Because I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. How to but some people it. could be really privileged in that aspect. And some people could be lower down and still have the same history of slavery in their family. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, well, I feel like that gets into the topic of because we're all over the social status and we all have different, you know, incomes, then do we get the same reparations? So I feel like it could be looked at from how black we are or right. quote, air quotes, how black we are. And then like how much money we make. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think black people, period, especially black people who have made, I don't know, been here for at least a, like a generation or two. Cause I feel like people who just immigrated, they probably won't necessarily have this, like they'll be able to start fresh and start new. Like they'll be able to open businesses like right off the bat versus people who've been here since the sixties and fifties who didn't have those opportunities. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I guess black Americans, you think? Yeah. Yeah. Black Americans. I feel like, I feel like that's pretty good. Okay, so we talked about who deserves reparations and why, and then we also talked about what reparations have, what reparations have we seen in the country already. And so now we'd like to talk about what what different ideas people have and what ideas that I have and might have that um, could be implemented into 2022. So one thing that I read about on CNBC is something called baby bonds, which provides every child a savings account at birth. My only concern with this is what about the Americans who, you know, are in their 60s, are already born, you know, it's too late for us to have a savings account after birth. And then with the savings account thing, that's placing a price tag. That's, you know, that's them trying to figure out, like, how do you exactly say, oh, yes, this is how much someone deserves after their ancestors, you know, work 24-7 for 365 days a year, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it should be more so infrastructure. I think it should be, you know programs and opportunities more than just a cash check or a savings account that you know I don't know I just feel like a baby bond that's not necessarily the most important thing I just feel like anything in terms of you know putting up an amount on how much money we deserve is not good enough um and then it, it's, it's just like how much how much how much can someone be compensated for being dragged across an ocean and then their children, their grandchildren, all of them, you know, being killed and just everything. I just feel like you can't really put a price tag on that. So moving away from baby bonds, like I said, I feel like infrastructure is one of the biggest things that, you know, can be implemented and is really necessary. And when I say that, I mean, like, different things in the community or, like, rebuilding the community. Um, A lot of Black Americans, they, you know, their houses are not in the best conditions because they have no, they have nowhere else to go, honestly. Um, people are like, oh, you know, just work harder, move out. And it's not that easy. You know, the government is working against us and they always have been. So I feel like um, something that's been brought up by multiple people is the idea of housing, housing grants, which I think is an amazing idea. Um, I feel like that can be used for every black American, no matter how much money you make, no matter where you live. But um, I don't know. I think housing grants are an amazing idea. Um, I would like to hear what Maya thinks about that. I I definitely agree, Morgan. There's simply no price to compensate for slavery. That's it. I do agree that infrastructure is the way to go with reparations. Rebuilding dilapidated communities and just bringing wealth into communities of color that were directly impacted by slavery, 
Black communities are often underfunded and housing grants would ensure that communities get necessary funding. I was reading an article from the Washington Post that said in some places, uh, wealthy, mostly white suburbs, for instance, the needs are lower and the resources are greater. And oftentimes the opposite is true for communities of color. With housing grants though, I do think that education needs to be provided because home ownership, things like home ownership classes and property management are not commonly known and they're not really taught in communities, let alone communities of color. So with housing grants, providing the education and resources and support for people in those communities to rebuild their communities and build their wealth would be ideal. So aside from housing grants, I think opportunities for education and opportunities to learn and expand your education, which you know then translates to higher income because you're more educated, which leads to more opportunities in the workforce. I think we should talk about scholarships and just opportunities like um, college preparation groups and just things along that nature. So I feel like if the government funded different opportunities like um, ACT prep courses or just something that inspires Black Americans to want to go to college, because I know, um, oh, for Georgetown University, for example, they have scholarships for um, this, this, the Black Americans who descended from the slaves that they owned. But the issue with scholarships is that's assuming that every Black American wants to go to college, and that is not the case. But I feel like if we take a step further, or like if we go before the scholarships and we really talk about why they don't want to go to college, it's because they don't have the right, um, you know, a lot of Black Americans aren't educated about that, and they're not exposed to people who want to go to college and have the opportunity to go to college. So if we take, you know, these Black Americans and we take the money from the government and, you know, create opportunities and we create things that, you know, inspire them and make it easier for them to want to go to college, then we can really talk about scholarships and then we can move on from there. But then after scholarships, for example, for the Black Americans who are already, you know, 22 plus who are, you know, living and paying off their student loan debt, um, I think an idea of reparations that would really benefit a lot of Black Americans is, you know, just wiping out, wiping out their debt completely. Um, Black Americans are you know, they had the most college debt um, compared to white Americans. And white Americans, they go to college more. So I feel like, one, that's ridiculous, but it's the truth. Um, and then after college, Black Americans also, I mean, they their income is the lowest, and they're still paying off more debt than any other, you know, group of people in the country. So I think we start off with, you know, college prep groups or ACT prep things or something that just inspires people to want to go to college. And then we have scholarships for different colleges or HBCUs, you know, really we could fund HBCUs better. I mean, a lot of black Americans, they choose not to go to HBCUs because they feel like they don't compete and they don't compare with a lot of the PWS in this country. And I, I, I personally feel like that's intentional. You know, I think HBCUs are a great experience, but at the end of the day, they are not funded and they do not receive the same attention as a lot of other um, schools in the country. And so I feel like that's a completely other, that's a different topic that we can definitely touch on. But I think in terms of reparations, these opportunities and these um, scholarships will definitely help and can definitely lead to just a better future. I know that might sound really cringy and cliche, but I think it's the truth. Um, I think my idea with reparations, I feel like the final thing should just be something that can build and ensure long-term economic success. And I think going to college, you know, and walking out of college debt-free is the right step in that direction. Education in the United States is a big deal, but the reality is everyone doesn't want to go to college. The education system as a whole needs reform, and I think that we should start implementing reform in younger grades. Things like the school-to-prison pipeline directly correlate to the impact of slavery, the degrading of Black men. 
And if you're not familiar, the school-to-prison pipeline is basically a tactic to push students out of school and funnel them into juvenile and criminal justice systems, increasingly for Black students. Um, The theory is that tactics like this start as low as second grade, I think, and this is a huge problem in underfunded schools and underfunded communities, which, like you said, Morgan, is a completely different issue. I think funding and education from an early age is a good way to go with reparations because it's foundational. And carrying support programs through college or trade school or just life in general will be very, very beneficial to building generational wealth and building generational education and impacts. Okay, so moving on to the next um, thing that I'd like to really talk about, you know, we talked about housing grants and education opportunities. One thing that I mentioned in the last um, segment was about how I think reparations are really about ensuring long, long-term economic success. And so when I say that I want, I really, I just feel like it's really important for reparations to allow us to build generational wealth, which is something that we haven't had the opportunity to. You know, when we look at a lot of um, white um family-owned businesses, and, you know, when we hear things like, oh, yeah, we've been running this since 1837, like Eckers Farm, for example, it originated in 1837, you know, and it's the sixth and seventh generations overseeing the business, and that is something that Black Americans never, ever had the opportunity to do, you know, we didn't have the opportunity to, you know, start a business and in the 1800s, and, you know, keep it going for generations and generations, and then, you know, my the great, great, great grandchildren, you know, are, you know, just rolling around in money because we did not, that, that was not an option for us. You know what I mean? Like if we could, I'm sure we would have, but, you know, we weren't allowed to own businesses. We weren't allowed to, you know, buy property. And so I think now in 2022, I think, you know, that, that can really turn into something like, you know, business grants or, you know, black owned businesses being supported and funded, you know, so we can, we can, you know, have these businesses that have been open for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, I, I don't know. I just feel like generational wealth is something, it's, it's the reason why a lot of us are struggling, to be honest. Like, we don't have grandparents that we can fall on, you know, who've been uh, financially secure for years and years. Um, so I think one way that we can build this generational wealth is starting off with investments in stocks. You know, something that's not just a cash check that, you know, can be cashed out and then, you know, is gone the next day. I think... I don't know. I feel like that's something that we can really look into. But then it's also like how much money goes into these stocks and how, I don't know. I feel like the big question is not necessarily who gets the reparations, but it's, you know, how can we determine how much money we deserve? You know, everybody's ancestors, you know, work differently. And at the end of the day, there's no, you know, you can't really put a dollar sign on the trauma and the experiences and the abuse and the torture that was placed upon slaves in the in in America so I don't know I feel like that's just something that I wanted to bring up about generational wealth and I feel like that's what we should really work towards and I feel like that's definitely a for sure way to ensure long-term economic success but the question is how do we even get there really we didn't have an opportunity to build our wealth it was literally stripped away from us with no intent of ever building it back up as we focus on black-owned businesses in the modern day funding should be ensured I agree. The lack of wealth is one of the main reasons we are behind. Money has so much power in the United States. There's no price even remotely reasonable to compensate for generational damage and trauma. To build generational wealth, we have to take money and invest it into our own communities, our own schools, our own banks, our own businesses, our own restaurants, our own housing complexes, our own churches, our own neighborhoods, and etc. Because that is the only way that we will directly feel the impact. So as I've done all my research and as I've reflected on what I've said so far, 
Um, a part of me is starting to realize that I believe reparations in 2022, um, they're kind of impossible, you know. I think it would be different if we were just being, you know, paid for the, you know, like we were being we were being compensated for the amount of work and labor that our um, ancestors, um, you know, you know, how much work they did. But the thing is, we, it's not just about the wealth gap. It's not just about, you know, them being, them working nonstop and to death, honestly, without being paid. I think now it's about the high incarceration rates, the health hardships, um, how black mothers are more likely to die during childbirth than, you know, their white co- counterparts. And so with that being said, it's not just about the, the transatlantic slave trade and what that led to. It's about the hardships that we're still facing as Black Americans now, and we can't really be compensated for that because it's not just something that money can be thrown at and it can be fixed. Um, how, what steps can be taken, you know, to reduce the infant mortality rate in, you know, the Black community? What, I, I don't know. I just feel like reparations, it sounds nice and it and it would help, but at the end of the day, it's about policy change. It's about reducing the racial bias in the country. It's about um, police being trained for long, like for longer um, periods of time. You know, I, it's just I like the idea of housing grants and education opportunities, but at the end of the day, it's still going to be hard for Black Americans to you know even be successful. You know, you know we're still fighting against. I don't know. I just feel like the odds are always going to be against us, and you know, however much money we receive or however um, whatever infrastructure is built there's still going to be ways that the government, you know, society, they're still going to find ways to, you know, I don't know, just be against us. And so, I don't know, I kind of, a part of me is like, I feel like the topic of reparations is is almost insulting because, you know, a part of me is like, you know, if they wanted to do it, they would have done it already. You know, Native Americans, they've they've seen the money. Um, The Japanese Americans, they've seen the money, you know, and they, they moved on. They, you know, they received an apology, but we're still, you know, in a few decades, you know, we'll be 200 years away from slavery and we're still going to be facing these um, obstacles. And so it's like, is it even worth discussing? You know, 74% of Republicans don't even want to talk about it. You know, 74% of Republicans, um, they are opposed to forming a committee to study reparations. And why is that? Because racism is raging in America as, as, it, always, as it always has been. You know, it's not just about, you know, our, like I said previously, it's not just about our ancestors, you know, you know, working to to death and not being paid for it. It's about, I don't know. It's just about everything else and everything that is, you know, being stacked against us in this country. And I just feel like reparations, I don't know. I've said I don't know so much and I just, I really don't know. I feel like I don't know who deserves them anymore. I don't know how and who's going to fund them. But I'm glad that you guys have been able to listen. And, you know, I think, Talking about it can definitely help, but I think it's also important for us to realize, like, is this even realistic anymore? This is a lot more complex than we thought in the beginning. So many things are tied into slavery, things that we didn't even think about before. Reparations sound ideal, but reform is the key. And the more I look at it, reparations look like a Band-Aid. It is insulting. Nothing will truly compensate the deficits that we faced from hundreds of years ago. Like Morgan said, reparations have been given before in other communities. If they wanted to, they would. The idea of reparations is nice, but I don't know if it goes beyond that anymore. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We really hope that you enjoyed our perspectives and learned a lot. This topic was a lot more than we originally thought, but we are glad to have done the research and learned a little bit more about reparations. Um, Until next time.